You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Peter chapter number 2, we'll begin reading in verse number 21. The Bible says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Verse 24, Who his own self bare our sins, in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this day. We can be in your house with your people to worship you, and I pray that you'd speak to us. I know that your word is powerful, and we certainly need that power to work in our lives today. We need your help. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would open our eyes and open our understanding, uh, that we may receive these truths and that we may apply them to our lives this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We see in 1 Peter chapter 2, which this is our really our theme verse for the year. Uh, we've got the banner up here, Follow Jesus, and our theme verse is 1 Peter 2 and verse number 21. You see, that is why we're here today. We're here to follow Jesus. Uh, We're not here to follow a man. Uh, I said it in the early service. I'll say it again. I have never told you as a church to say, you better follow your pastor, and no matter what, you follow your pastor. I have said things like this. I hope you'll follow your pastor as I follow Christ. But if the day ever comes that any man that you're following If they stop following Jesus, you have a responsibility to follow Jesus, not the man. You have a responsibility to follow the Bible, not an idea or not somebody's uh, philosophy or somebody's direction. We are here to follow Jesus. And this verse says that we are to follow his steps. It says in verse number 21 that Christ is our example. You know, uh, I want to say this, that... We have a lot of examples in life. We have a lot of people that I'm thankful for. But you make sure, and I need to make sure, that we follow those examples only as they follow Christ. I hope you're more grounded this morning to the Bible and to the Word of God than you are to a person. You know, sometimes people will let you down. Uh, People will fail you. People will disappoint you. You say, well, you know, Pastor, I I used to... I used to go to church and I used to serve God and I used to be involved, but, but somebody disappointed me and so therefore I don't serve God anymore. Well, listen to what you just said. If you were serving God, then it shouldn't matter if a person stops or a person disappoints you because people will come and go. How many of you know that's true? People will uh, at times do well and people at times not do well. But our focus is not on people. Our focus is on Christ. And if you're really following Jesus, then when somebody disappoints you, 
you'll be sad, you'll be burdened, you'll be brokenhearted for that person, but you'll keep on following Jesus because he's the one we're striving to follow. Sometimes in life, we follow a person because of the destination, especially back before GPS and all the modern technology. Maybe somebody was taking you to an amusement park, or maybe somebody was taking you to a ball game, or maybe somebody was taking you, oh, here's a good one. They were taking you to a good fishing spot, right? And you were only following that person because of where you were going to end up. As a matter of fact, as soon as you got to the destination, you said, see you later. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to go do my own thing, but thanks for getting me here. Well, friend, I want to tell you, our goal and purpose in following Jesus is not just to get to the destination. Although, how many of you know, I'm glad that Jesus is the way to heaven. Hallelujah. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't get to heaven unless you follow Jesus. You can't get to heaven unless you go the way of Jesus. But in the Christian life, we're not following Jesus just for the destination. We're following Jesus because of the relationship that we get to have with him. Aren't you glad that you can know Jesus? Aren't you glad you can talk to him and, and you can fellowship with him and you can, uh, you can uh, spend time with him every day? I think of some people that maybe have had to follow and maybe they didn't know where they were going. I think about my wife and of course this is her birthday and we got engaged on her birthday, September 10th. 2001, the night before 9-11. And uh, you say, why'd you get engaged then? Because we didn't know 9-11 was going to happen the next day. We got engaged, and I think about some of the places that my wife has followed me. And I'm thankful that she was willing to follow. She didn't know what the destination was going to be. <laughs> I didn't either, you know. Uh, I acted like I did, but I didn't. But she was willing to follow. Maybe you're here today and you followed a family member or maybe you have followed uh, maybe a boss, maybe uh, somebody that you worked with or worked for and they started a company and you didn't know a lot of the details, but you said, I'm willing to follow this person. I've got confidence in this person. I trust this person. Well, friend, I want to tell you, we as God's people, we ought to follow Jesus. Peter is writing here in this, uh, this book, 1 Peter chapter 2, and Peter was speaking as a firsthand account of somebody who knew what it was to leave everything to follow Jesus. And Peter did that for his life. He followed in the steps of Jesus. He walked where Jesus walked. He, he ate where Jesus ate. He slept where Jesus slept. And he, he followed Jesus. And now Peter uh, charges us and Peter challenges us to say that we also should follow the steps of Jesus. In 1896, Charles Sheldon wrote that a famous uh, fictional book, In His Steps, or What Would Jesus Do? And in that book, he presented a, a pastor, and he presented a town, and that pastor challenged the people in that community and the people in that church. He said, in every situation in life, you ought to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And that was the challenge. What would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus handle this? And friend, I'm glad that we don't have to guess this morning what would Jesus do. We don't have to, to scratch our heads and think, wow, I wish we had an answer. 
because we have the Bible. We have the answer to what Jesus would do. We know what he wants us to do, and we have the opportunity to follow in his steps. The word steps here in verse number 21, literally it means a footprint. It's a track. It's a, a footstep. It is the idea of imitating the example of anyone. We see in the Old Testament, some of the kings of Israel, the Bible says they walked in the way of their father. That wasn't always a good thing. Sometimes the fathers led them astray. Sometimes the fathers set a bad example. But I'm glad when we follow in the steps of Jesus, I'm glad we never go astray. I'm glad we never have to get off course as long as we are following him. Sometimes as we follow Jesus, we get in a hurry. Sometimes we become impatient. Sometimes we like to take shortcuts. Uh, we like to, uh, to speed ahead. But friend, I want to remind you that we are to follow in his steps. I want you to hold your place in 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'd ask you to turn with me, please, to the book of Psalms. Psalm 23. We find in this passage, Psalm 23, we find that David is in a place that he did not choose. He's in a place that he would not have selected, but the Bible says that he is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Say, oh, pastor, how did David get away from Jesus? How did he stop following the shepherd? I have news for you. He didn't stop following the shepherd. The shepherd actually led him to this place through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. As sheep, we are to follow the shepherd. And it says in verse number two, he leadeth me beside the still waters. David said, the shepherd led me beside the still waters. Verse three, the Bible says that the shepherd led him in the paths of righteousness. And David is following the shepherd. And as he follows the shepherd, he finds himself in a valley. And this is not just any valley. This is the valley of the shadow of death. Can I tell you, there will be times as you follow the shepherd where the shepherd will lead you into places that you were not expecting. The shepherd will lead you into places that you and I would not say we would choose for ourselves, but the shepherd knows what is best. I'm here to tell you this morning that I'm not following the shepherd because of where I'm going to end up, but I'm following the shepherd because of who I am with. And I'm glad that we can follow the shepherd. First John chapter 2, the Bible tells us that we ought to walk even as Jesus walked. And may we walk in his steps. Number one, I see in this passage, 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll come back to Psalm 23 in a little bit. But 1 Peter chapter 2, I see the steps of Jesus lead to salvation. Would you notice with me in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says in verse number 24, who his own self, that's Jesus, in his own self, he bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that's the cross, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Aren't you glad that Jesus came so that we could have salvation? Aren't you glad that Jesus, he, he walked the road. He, 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 he took the path that led him to Calvary. He took the path that led him to an old rugged cross. And the reason he suffered on the cross was so that you and I would not have to suffer. 
The reason he died so that you and I would not have to die and go to hell. But he took your wounds and he took your sin. And by his stripes, the Bible says, we are healed. The cross was no accident. Suffering on the cross was not wasted. Suffering on the cross was done so that you and I could be saved. He did not deserve to suffer. Verse 22, he did no sin. Neither was guile or deceit found in his mouth. Verse 23, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. Now, let's be honest. We can leave out of here today and we can say, I'm going to have a good week. I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to make this week a good week, and I'm going to try to do my best to live for God this week. And by the way, I hope that's the way you leave out of here. I hope nobody's leaving saying, oh, I can't wait to see what I can do to help the devil out this week, you know. But we leave out of here with those intentions. But here's the problem. There's somebody this week that's going to push your buttons. That's what this means to be reviled. It means somebody is going to lie about you. Somebody is going to uh, 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 shame you. Somebody is going to say something about you that's not true. And I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, boy, my old flesh starts to get, get going a little bit. Like, yeah, I was going to have a good week, but the pastor didn't know I was going to have to deal with this jerk this week. The pastor does not know who my coworkers are. The pastor doesn't know who I have to live with. No, no, don't say that. Don't, don't do that. And so I'm doing good until somebody reviles me, until somebody makes me mad, until somebody irritates me. But notice what the Bible says. Jesus, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, the Bible says, he threatened not. This is so good. Because sometimes what, what I like to do is if somebody does something to me, I don't necessarily do something back, but I sure like to scheme. And I sure like to plan of, oh, it would be awesome. When somebody says something to me, I'm going to say this back to them. Oh, that's going to be good. Oh, somebody, somebody says something on Facebook, I've got the perfect comeback. It's ready. It's, it's, it's actually, all I have to do is push send. I mean, it's there. Or how about this? You say, I'm not actually going to hurt somebody, but I'm going to make them think that I'm going to hurt them, right? I'm going to threaten them. I'm going to say, oh, you better watch out. If I catch you after work, if I catch you on the parking lot, oh, I'm going to get you. And you say, oh, I wasn't going to do anything. Well, notice what it says about Jesus, that when he suffered, he didn't even threaten. How many of you know it's a whole lot easier to react in the flesh than it is to react in the spirit? That's why every day we have to crucify the flesh and we've got to walk in the spirit. And you say, well, pastor, I wanted to follow Jesus' example, but I didn't know this was going to be the example you were going to give. Well, if we're going to follow Jesus' example, we've got to follow every step that Jesus leads. It says in verse number 23 that when he was reviled he reviled not again he didn't do it back when he suffered he didn't threaten he didn't say oh you better watch it i'm gonna get you no he didn't say that but the bible says this he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously that's an interesting phrase to him that judgeth righteously because in the book of genesis 
we find that Abraham, when he was speaking to God, when he was talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham made this statement. It was a question, but I think we knew the answer. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He said, God, you're the judge of all the earth. You've never made a mistake. You've never made an error. And so we know that you're going to do what is right. You're going to handle the matter correctly. I want to tell you, that's a lot easier to say when it's somebody else's issue. I can come over here to, uh, to, to Colby and I can say, you know, Colby, God's going to take care of that for you. I come over here to Ryan and say, Ryan, you know, just God will take care of it. David, God's got it. Edmund, God's got it. Bill, God's got it. Mill, God, God's got it. And that's easy to tell somebody else. But when it's your problem, when it's my problem, that's when it's so hard to say, I'm going to commit this to God. I'm going to let God settle the score. I'm going to let God take care of this. And I want to remind you, God doesn't always take care of it down here. There are things in life, there are injustices, there are wrongs, there are things that people will say and do to you that are absolutely 100% despicable. And down here, it'll seem like they've gotten away with it. But the judge of all the earth will do what's right. God will take care of it and you can put it in his hands and you can trust him that he is always right. I see number one, the steps of Jesus lead to salvation. The Bible says in verse number 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Isaiah 53, the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, with his wounds, we are healed. I'm so thankful for salvation. I'm thankful that the steps of Jesus led to salvation. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He was born to die on an old rugged cross for you and me. I see, number one, the steps of Jesus lead to salvation. But number two, I see quickly, the steps of Jesus lead to suffering. You say, Pastor, this is getting worse and worse. You're talking about following the example of Jesus, and you're talking about being kind to people and forgiving people that, that do us wrong, and now you're saying we're going to have to suffer? Well, look at what it says in verse number 21. For even hereunto were ye called, called to what? Well, verse 20 says that when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even to, hereunto were ye called, because Christ also hath suffered for us. The Bible says that he suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. The steps of Jesus lead, number two, to suffering. Now, this is not something that you'll hear a lot on the, the, the television programs where the preachers are, are trying to be positive. This is not what you'll pick up in the bestseller section in the Christian bookstore. But I want to tell you the fact of life that is as a Christian, you and I will suffer. Jesus said it'll happen. He said, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Matthew 5, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I want you to hold your place in 1 Peter 2. And I want you to turn back with me to the book of Job. 
Job 23, right before you get to Psalms, you'll find Job. Job 23, I was studying this week, and I, I've, I've, I've quoted this verse hundreds of times, but I've never quite seen it in the context where it's found in Job 23. Verse number 10. You probably have heard this verse. It says, but he, that is God, he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Right? We know that verse. Job was going through a trial, and he said, I know I'm going to come forth as gold. But I want you to look at verse number 8 in Job 23. Job is going through the worst trial of his life, and I would say the worst trial that anyone has ever experienced. He lost his 10 children in one day. They all died in one day. He lost everything that he owned. He himself was smitten with a, a terrible a disease of boils and sores all over his body. His own wife said, Job, just curse God and die. Get it over with. And Job is going through this trial, and then his friends come. <laughs> Boy, with friends like these, who needs enemies, right? The friends come and they say, Job, if you weren't such a terrible person, this wouldn't happen to you, but it's all your fault. Well, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the truth at all. But Job is going through this trial, and notice Job 23, verse 8. He says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And I go backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Here's what Job said. There's times where I'm trying to follow Christ, but I can't see him. There's times where I'm trying to follow God and I don't even know where he is. And that's the question that we all must answer. What happens in those dark days of life? What happens in those deep, dark valleys and trials of life when you're trying to follow Jesus, but it seems like you can't even see him? I like what one preacher said, when you can't trace God, you can still trust God. And even when you can't see him, you can still know that he is in control and you can know that his promises are that he will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Job 23, verse 11. Here's the verse I've been trying to get to. Got carried away there. Verse 11, Job says, My foot hath held his steps. Now we're talking about following in the steps of Jesus in 1 Peter 2, but Job says in Job 23, I want my feet to hold on to the steps of God. I want to step in the very steps that he has planned for my life. He says, his way have I kept and not declined. That word declined, it means to turn aside or to get off track. Job said, I want to follow in the steps that God has for my life. Number one, the steps of Jesus lead to salvation. Number two, the steps of Jesus lead to suffering. Peter, as he was writing, that Jesus is our example. Probably as a boy, Peter, as the, the Jewish uh, young people would do, they would, they would practice writing their letters. They would practice writing their numbers and they would practice writing and drawing on a board where there was already a pattern and they would practice drawing over that pattern until they finally got it. When I was in elementary school, we used to have these little personal size chalkboards. Anybody remember those little personal size chalkboards? You know what I'm talking about? Now, to the generation now, they don't even appreciate how much fun that was. 
and how exciting and how thrilling it was to get your own little personal-sized chalkboard. I don't know why that was so much fun, but to me, that was a highlight, you know. But as you would practice your, your drawing, they'd have the lines already drawn for you, and they would sometimes already have the example of the letter, and you would trace over that letter and trace over that letter and trace over that letter to make sure that you knew how to draw that letter. But then I remember after you practice for a while, you kind of get out on your own and you have to draw the letter and it's supposed to look like the example, right? How many of you know that sometimes we've drawn some things that did, didn't look anything like the letter we were supposed to be drawing? Sometimes, even today, I can't read my own writing, you know, so sometimes that tracing maybe didn't work. But here's the thing, as long as you're following the pattern, it's amazing how good it looks. It's amazing how, 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 how uh, perfect it is when you follow the pattern. But when you get off on your own, that's when things get messy. And I want to say, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to follow his steps. As long as we follow his example and his pattern, things are going to be uh, what they ought to be, and God's going to take care of us. But when we do it our own way, that is when we make a mess of things so many times. The steps of Jesus lead to salvation. The steps of Jesus lead to suffering. The steps of Jesus lead to sanctification. Jesus is our example in suffering, but he's also our example in sanctification and holiness. Verse number 15 in 1 Peter chapter 2. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You know how you answer when people are foolish? You know how to answer people when they act like idiots? You know how to answer people when they're rude and they're harsh and they're unkind? You know how you answer that? You answer it by a life that is lived for God. Don't get into arguments. Don't get into debates. Don't get drawn into all that nonsense. You just keep living for God. You just keep following in his steps. You let your life speak your answer for you. And that's what Peter said. This is the will of God that with well-doing, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Bible says in verse number 16 that we are servants of Christ, servants of God that should be sanctified and holy and set apart. Verse 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. You know, we're supposed to be kind, not just to the people that are kind to us, but this word froward, it means even the people that are harsh. Even the people that are rude. Now, sometimes we like to say, oh, yeah, you want to be rude? Well, two can play that game. I'll give you a little bit of rudeness. You want some of that? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we should be kind even to those that are not kind. Verse 19, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, that is acceptable unto God. Peter makes it clear that the suffering we're talking about, we're not talking about suffering for sin. We're not talking about suffering because you did something foolish or you did something that was wrong. Now, if I decided this morning, you know, it's my wife's birthday and I uh, didn't quite prepare for it. And uh, I go over to uh, Walmart. And I get in Walmart, and then I realize, oh, I don't have my wallet. So I go into Walmart, and I start thinking, it's my wife's birthday. I got to get something for her. And so I start grabbing stuff and stick it in my pockets. And I walk out the door, and they start chasing me out of Walmart. But hey, my car is faster than theirs. So I get in my car, and I'm driving down the road, and then I realize I'm out of gas. 
So I pull into the gas station and oh, remember, still don't have my wallet. So I'm pumping gas that I'm not planning to pay for. And I pull that out and I am, and I, then I'm worn out. I mean, it's been a busy, it's been a busy afternoon, you know, shoplifting at Walmart and stealing gas. And I pull through Speedway and I run in and I get a slushy and I don't pay for it. And I get out and lo and behold, they caught up to me. And I get locked up and I get thrown in the slammer. And then I write a blog about how hard my life is and how awful it is. And I start a GoFundMe, you know, for all the suffering I'm doing. Friend, that's not suffering. That is stupidity. That is not you suffering for being a Christian. That is you suffering for being an idiot, okay? And Peter makes it clear we're not talking about suffering for wrongdoing. That, that's just a fact of life. That's just the price you pay when you do something wrong. But when you suffer for doing what's right, Peter said, you're in good company because you are following his steps. You're following in the path of Jesus who also suffered for doing what's right. Lastly, I'll close with this thought. We see that the steps of Jesus lead us to salvation. They lead us to suffering. The steps of Jesus lead us to sanctification and holiness and doing right before God and before others. But then I see that the steps of Jesus keep us close to the shepherd. You see, it says in verse number 25, For ye were as sheep going astray, but now you're returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Now, that word shepherd is the word pastor. And the word bishop is another word for pastor, which means overseer. But this verse isn't talking about me. This is not talking about the pastor. It's talking about the chief shepherd. It's talking about Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, the great shepherd. And he is the shepherd and he's the bishop. He's the overseer of the flock. That ought to encourage you as you leave to know that it's not all up to us. We're not the ones in charge. He is the one who is the shepherd and the overseer. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 23. And uh, this will be the last passage I'll have you turn to. Psalm 23. David was talking about how the Lord was his shepherd. He talked about how God led him. Sometimes it's by the still waters, and sometimes it's uh, on the paths of righteousness, and sometimes it's through the valley of the shadow of death. But then we get to verse number six. And in verse number six, David says, makes this statement about following the shepherd. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the idea is as we're walking in the steps of Jesus, we want to stay close to him. We want to stay close to the shepherd because when we stay close to the shepherd, let me tell you, things are a whole lot easier. That's for sure. Daniel, come on up and help me. You helped me in the early service. And we didn't practice for the early service, but you, you're, you're prepared now. I want you to stand right over here. Hold this sign if you would. Brother Daniel's going to represent the shepherd. That is your shepherd and my shepherd. That's Jesus Christ. It's the, the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. And so Peter is talking about the fact that we had gone astray, but we're now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. He said, hey, we're walking in his steps. We're following the shepherd. And so as a Christian, 
I want to follow in his steps. You say, where are we going? Doesn't matter. Where are we going to end up? Doesn't matter. How long is it going to take? Doesn't matter. Because wherever the shepherd is going, that's where I want to be. And he's going to take care of it, right? So go ahead, shepherd, start leading this way. I'm just following him. Hey, I don't have to worry about all the details. I don't have to worry about who's going to pay for the trip, right? I don't have to worry about who's going to protect us along the journey. I've got the shepherd. All right, shepherd, let's go this way. I don't mean to tell you what to do, but we don't want to walk out the hallway. So I'm following the shepherd. But notice what it says in Psalm 23. Keep going, shepherd. We've got to get back here in the middle. Otherwise, these folks are going to feel left out. So notice what it says in Psalm 23, verse 6. Okay, right there, shepherd. And by the way, don't try to tell the shepherd what to do. Because you're not the shepherd, right? He's the shepherd. But then verse 6 says this. You're following the shepherd, but somebody else is following you. And it says in verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Don't, don't start feeling too important because they're not following you because of you. They're following you because of the shepherd. As a matter of fact, they're not even with you. They're with the shepherd. As long as you're with the shepherd, you just get in on the benefits of being with him. Brother David, could you help me? Brother Askew, would you be willing to help me here, brother? We're going to let you guys be goodness and mercy. Now, here's what I'm doing. I'm following the shepherd. And as I'm following the shepherd, I'm, I'm, I'm loving being in his steps. And then, oh, go out, shepherd, hang on for a minute. <laughs> I look back, and I'm thinking, I wonder if somebody's chasing me. Yeah, as a matter of fact, somebody is. But it's not the bad guys. It's the good guys. It's God's goodness, and it's God's mercy that follow me all the days of my life. And so, I'm in good shape. I'm in good hands. Goodness is the good things God does that I don't deserve. The mercy is the things I do deserve, the bad things I deserve, but God doesn't give me because of his mercy. And so I'm in good shape. Hang on, stay right there, shepherd. But here's a detour. The shepherd's going over there, but I start to feel, be feeling pretty good about myself. Hey, I've been experiencing lots of goodness, lots of mercy, lots of blessings, boy. It's been great. I think I'll just kind of head over here. I, I see some, some things over here I want to check out. And, oh, wait a minute. Not only have I gotten away from the shepherd, I've also gotten away from goodness and mercy. And they're not still following me because they're not with me. They're with the shepherd. And they're not, they're not there because of my good. They're there because of his good. They're there because the shepherd is the one that's good. The shepherd is the one that bestows his mercy. And so I get over here and, ooh. You don't have to raise your hand. But have you ever been over here? I'll say this. It's not the place you want to be. And you look back and you think, why did I ever get away from the shepherd? Why did I ever get away from the goodness and mercy of God that was with me all the days of my life? And aren't you glad that when you do get astray, the shepherd is welcoming you back and he's calling. As a matter of fact, he comes looking for you. And aren't you glad for the times that you can get back to the shepherd and the shepherd once again, even though we don't deserve it, he's still got goodness and mercy. 
friend, here's my, here's my challenge today. Let's get in his steps. And if you're here this morning and you're not in his steps, let's get back in his steps. And let's stay real close to the shepherd because the shepherd knows where he's going. And the shepherd knows what he's doing. And while we're following the shepherd, we've got goodness and mercy that are following all the days of our life. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.